This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, who will start for Scotland against the Czech Republic? Can Tam Courts win his critics over? And all the latest at Dens Park. Hello and welcome to another edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Callum Woodger and today I am joined by Alan Temple. Callum. And he's back, the bear, Graham Finnan's here as well. well hello Callum, hello everyone. It's great, great to be back after last week's technical issues and uh, obviously I missed the week before as well. So it's like, I mean, it's been, it's been long, one long party since Dundee beat Kilmarnock <laughs> and got promoted <laughs> to the Premiership again. So what a two weeks that's been. But no, great to be back. Absolutely, you've missed a lot. You've missed the Dundee getting promoted, um, the Dundee United managerial situation, the Euros are nearly mm-hmm. upon us. Yes. But most importantly, Bear, um, the punters haven't had their weather report for a wee while, so no. how are they looking this morning? Well, we've certainly, we've, we've broken into the summer, haven't we? There's no doubt about that, Carl. I mean, it's been it's been waterable sunshine there over the weekend, and if anyone who was out and about, as I was uh, on Saturday evening, the the, the beer gardens were, were jam-packed and everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves. So, long may it continue. Yep, a return to normality beckons, hopefully. And we're going to start with Scotland, a very abnormal situation. We're in a major finals, we're building up to that. Um, it all kicks off for Scotland on Monday against the Czech Republic, but we had two warm-up friendlies last week. A 2-2 draw with the Netherlands and a 1-0 win over Luxembourg. Alan, what would be your kind of overall assessment of Scotland's performances and where we stand going into the Euros? It's interesting. We're just uh, discussing prior to starting with with Bear there just how surreal this is to be in the process of building up for a Euros. There's many people that are listening to this probably haven't done it in their lifetime thinking about Scotland going to a major finals and even more so to be going in with positivity. And I think the friendlies that have just passed, the major takeaway is sheer positivity you know it wasn't perfection against the Netherlands mm. but I mean you're playing Holland and f- at times we looked composed on the ball we were forward thinking playing out from the back looked confident uh, it didn't look overawed by the standard of opposition and although there were things to be worked on I don't think anyone left that performance particularly against the Netherlands thinking we've got much to fear in this tournament you know not in terms of going all the way or anything silly <laughs> like that but certainly for an yeah. opener against Czech Republic. I don't think anyone watched us play Holland and thought, no way we'll be able to cope with the Czech Republic. So in that way, the, the major takeaway has got to be positivity. You know, a wonderful goal by Jack Henry, even better goal in terms of a, a team context from Kevin Nisbet. And again, those two players, there's depth. There are two players that you ne- didn't necessarily think would be uh, starting the opening game against Czech Republic and, and Kevin Nisbet probably won't but that goes to show not only have we got confidence, a bit of swagger positivity but there's a wee bit of depth there as well so you know strike me down for such an unscottish quality but I'm feeling, feeling pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I know I was just, positivity is a, a, a rare trait uh, amongst the Scotsmen particularly about the national football team usually it's another P pessimism that we're mm-hmm. sort of centering our psyche around but um Certainly, bear Jack Henry. We never saw that at Dens, <laughs> did we? But at the point that Alan makes, I was going to go and say that myself. But I totally agree. It, it shows the players we've got. David Turnbull's another one who I'd throw in there. Who another player who comes in and just looks like at home at this level. But um, it looks like a really strong group going into the going into the finals. 
It does. I mean, I would echo what, what Alan was saying there. I mean, positivity. I mean, that's always a Scottish trait before the tournament starts. <laughs> <laughs> and we've seen, we've seen in the past how quickly that can evaporate as the tournament progresses. I always remember, uh, you know, Alan McLeod in Argentina in 78, prior to going to uh, o- over to Argentina saying, you know, we could actually win the, the bloody thing. And that was obviously splashed across the banner headlines. And the team they had, they had a realistic chance, not possibly of winning it, but certainly of going, going well into the tournament. But uh, positivity isn't, isn't a bad thing. And I think what I, what I saw from Scotland the other night against against the Netherlands, I mean, you've got to remember these guys have all been playing this season. They, you know, they've not been on furlough or anything like that. The vast majority haven't been on furlough, not in international football. Um, so they've had a long season, but they look, they look pretty lively. You know, they've obviously had a nice a nice couple of weeks at a training camp and, uh, and, and it showed during the game, they showed invention, that good ball retention. And they were unlucky not, not to beat a Holland side who, I mean, well, they're maybe not... Um, the Holland side that once were, they've still got some fantastic players, you know. It's never a free kick, was it, Memphis Depay? Well, but that no, was never a no. free kick. Never a free kick, as as, as Steve Clark says. Unfortunately, but always, you know, there always seems to be the Scottish manager saying that. That was never a penalty. That was offside. That was never a free kick, you know. But fair play, it was a terrific free kick. And, and, uh, but in the end, Scotland were unlucky not to win. But there were a lot of, lot of real positives, uh, as Alan has, uh, has touched on, um, and uh, you know he's got. I think what what Steve Clark has done. You know he's he, he he's built uh, you know a real a real squad. You know he's he's built a team that's, that looks flexible. And I think they're quite comfortable. The, the squad he's got, he's, he's, he'd be quite comfortable changing personnel and, and you know and changing the, the setup quite easily. Now, so it's just a case of him you know getting all the you know the pieces in the right place for this game against the Czech Republic on Monday and. Uh, we got off to a good start. Yeah, I think it would certainly be fairer to say players have put themselves into contention rather than anyone's played themselves out of contention. Yeah. I don't think anyone has has looked out their depth or played badly at this point. I think there can be a level of trust in pretty much anyone we, we pop out on the pitch against Czech Republic, Croatia and England. However, in terms of those that have put themselves into contention and particularly looking at the first game, I would say you have to look at of course, Gilmore, uh, Billy Gilmore is the the kind of zeitgeist uh, conversation topic just at the moment. Um, whether or not he can be brought in, probably you'd be looking at in favour of Callum McGregor at this point, I guess. Um, mm. And in terms of that first game against the Czech Republic, if you're going to put him in at any point, I think it needs to be that game. Uh, Billy Gilmore has so far showed that he's comfortable in a team that dominates pote- uh, possession, creating chances, cutting through defences. He's a forward-thinking midfield player. And I would be loath to put him in against a team that will dominate possession against Scotland, like a Croatia or like an England. However, seeing a game that I think we need to win against the Czech Republic, that first match, I think you play Billy Gilmore. I think you play the the player who looks most likely at the moment to cut open a defence and and create a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, do I think Steve Clark will do that? I'm, I'm less certain about that. And just as I'm less certain that he would put Nathan Patterson in and in favour of Stephen O'Donnell which would be the other takeaway from those two friendlies that got me thinking do you know what they are clearly the future but maybe they're the present as well because Nathan Patterson looks the real deal as much as uh, I think the whole nation have kind of grown uh, very fond of Stephen O'Donnell at this point Bear I think you know what I'm going to ask you but as a goalkeeper (laughs) who starts for you David Marshall or Craig Gordon yeah I'll be David Marshall we'll start the game of um, um you know, ninety nine percent certain that Clark, Stevie Clark, will stick with Marshall. He's, Stevie Clark is a, is a loyal guy, and I think we'll see that in his in his lineup for the for the Czech Republic game. Um, I, 
I like Craig Gordon. Um, he's obviously come back into the international scene. Um, he, he's had injury problems over the years, but he's been a top top keeper uh, all his days. And I think he could have he could have had you know quite easily had another twenty five to forty Scotland caps. You know, had he not had those injury problems. Um, but Marshall's come in and, and has done well, and I expect him to start um, against the Czechs. Uh, I don't think he's, he's done done much wrong, and I think he's done. More good, and I think Clark will stick with him. Looking elsewhere at the at the team, I think I think Clark's probably got about six or seven guys whose names are already on the team sheet, along with Marcel. I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if Robertson and, and and you know Kieran Tierney will will be in there. I've got a feeling McTominay will, will be in there, and also John McGinn um, up front. I think, although Nisbet scored the goal, I think you'll, you'll go with London Dykes and possibly Che Adams. Um, Grant Hanley, I think he likes Hanley. I think he'll play in the defence. I think the areas you're looking at are, I mean, again, Stephen O'Donnell, Clark's been been loyal to him, you know, through the, you know, through the qualification campaign, and I'd be very surprised if 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 he opts for for Nathan Parson, um, who's who's done really well at Rangers this season, and obviously has forced his way in. Um, elsewhere, um, you're looking who's going to supplement. I think the question marks. Billy Gilmore for me would be. Yeah, I, I I think Alan's right. You know, he's done fantastically well in a, in a, in a top top Chelsea team this season. Um, but he's up against some stiff competition, and whether Clark's prepared to, to to put him on from the start, we'll have to wait and see. There's others in there, question marks over how who's going to be in the wide areas. You know, you've got you've got Ryan Christie, you've got James Forrest, I and mean, you've also got in, in the midfield guys like you know Stuart Armstrong, you know. Carl McGregor as well, mm. trying to get in there. Yeah. So I think there's there's five or six or seven names I would to have. Yeah, and I've got I've got to say, whatever way he goes, I don't think we'll we'll be weakened. You know, I think that everybody's in there. You look at that squad; it's probably one of the, the you know, there are unfortunately there are no real real world class players in there. Um, maybe you could you could say Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson, you know, but I think for Scotland to take that next step, we need someone in the attacking area. You know, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, if you like, you know, someone like that who can <laughs> yeah. you can make something out of nothing. You know, that's but in that in that area we don't have that. But what we do have is a very very strong squad around the squad, and that makes it easy for the manager to, to shift players in and out. And as I said before, you, you've got options available for them. Yeah, sort of like not lesser nations in international football, but maybe not the top nations like Sweden. I mean, yeah. they have guys that they can rely on. They had maybe had Henrik Larsson before. They had they have Ibrahimovic now. Wales have Gareth Bale. I mean. As much as we maybe don't have that star man up front, I mean, for me, if you're, if you're looking for a talisman, if John McGinn can keep up his form at international level, then if he goes and have a good, really good tournament and continues that scoring form, I don't think there's any reason um, why we can't think about getting out of that group. Um, you know, like like Alan was saying, we've, we've performed well against the Netherlands. There's no reason to be scared of um, the Czech Republic in the first game. If we can get, that's crucial, I think, getting off to a really good start to then go down to Wembley and then you know it's it's an old enemy clash it's it, you know there's so much at stake there um you, you just don't know what's going to happen and obviously Croatia World Cup finalists at the last World Cup but um maybe not the the team they once were so um again it's, it's strange to be talking like that about Scotland and we've, we've not even been at a tournament since I was five years old so <laughs> <laughs> um it, it just it just goes to show you, yeah, and there's probably I think there must be players in the squad who weren't even born last time we were at a tournament, uh, Gilmore and Patterson and and Turnbull. But it's certainly uh, an exciting time for the country. Alan, do you think we've got what it takes to to make it through the group stages and into the the knockout rounds for the first time in in our history? 
certainly we do have what it takes in the squad. I don't have uh, any doubt about that. I think it's great that you you mentioned John McGinn. I absolutely heartily agree with uh, what you said there. In a in a previous job in a previous life, I watched a lot of John McGinn when he was at, at Hibs, and he's just a the man's a force of nature. And you never quite know what it's how that's going to translate when a player goes down south. But you then realise that all those attributes that you saw and thought he's a bit special. They're just as dominant down south. You know, he is a special yeah. footballer and such a unique footballer in the, you know, his style and his, um, I was going to say his shape. And uh, you know, he's got a he's got an unmovable backside that knocks people off the ball for for fun. You know, it's it's the Brummy Bahuki. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> when he's playing for Aston Villa, he just uh, gets his gets his rear end in and then no one can get the ball off him. But um, he's got all the attributes, doesn't he, to to be a, a, a top player at that level because of the way he is physically. Yeah, he's he's a special footballer, and um, he's such a uh, such a down to earth great guy, and he's one of those you know he's a typical cheeky Glaswegian Scottish boy, and he's just you know there's a, a lot to like about about John, and he's indicative of a Scotland team that I think there's a lot to like about, and there's a lot of quality within. You go through that squad, and you've got players playing um, in the English Premier League scattered all over the shop, so. Is there any guarantee Scotland will go through? Absolutely not. England and Croatia are top, top international sides, but especially with the, the expanded tournament and the change in formatting in terms of what it would take to go through, absolutely. Why not be positive? This is the best chance we'll have in a long time. That's for well, first tournament we've been at for a long time, but certainly a, a good chance for us. Bear, Che Adams, is he one that we could maybe be looking at to get as the goals and maybe um, sneak a couple of shock results to get us through that group? Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping, Calm. I'm hoping that someone out of the, out of the, the sort of the three recognised strikers and Adams, Dykes, and Nisbet has a real purple patch over the next couple of weeks. You know, they just they just hit form because certainly, I mean, we'll get a few chances, but they'll not be coming thick and fast. But the chances that come along, we're going to have to take them. Obviously, you look back at the Luxembourg game on on Sunday, I think it was. You know, um, we missed a few, and we're not going to get away with that. When the, when the real action starts against the Czechs and against England and, and yeah. against Croatia, we're not going to get away with missing chances. So we're, I'm hoping I'm hoping so. And che, why not, Che Adams? I've been very impressed with him. He's a powerful guy. He's quick. He's lightning quick and he, he looks confident. So, you know, you need a wee bit of luck. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping that, that he can do the business. In terms of the England game, I mean, that's the one that all Scotland fans will be, be looking to for obvious reasons. But um, there's no getting away from it. In our squad, there is a few... Um, English accents, put it that way. Um, guys playing for us who hail from south of the border, Che Adams, McTominay, Liam Cooper. Alan, do you think that'll play a part in terms of these boys being really, really up for it to go in and maybe prove a point um, against England? It's funny, I, I think we also the the videos of Scott McTominay celebrating <laughs> over in Serbia and sitting swigging beer on the side of the pitch at their national stadium in Belgrade and I think uh, all of us all of a sudden any doubts about how Scottish Scott McTominay uh, was is yeah. absolutely wiped away with that one. He is uh, he and Liam Cooper um, and Che Adams now look as passionate and as Scottish as could possibly come and yeah, they'll, absolutely there'll be an extra edge because they'll have footballers as you know we've learned in the last few months years footballers read the things people say footballers notice the snipers notice the social media comments and you know they know how 
committed and passionate they are about playing for Scotland yeah. and they'll relish this opportunity to prove it. I think anyone that, that knows the squad or knows the makeup of the group will know just how passionate they are about playing for Scotland but maybe there were some people initially that didn't realise that and um, although I'm sure they've won over the, the doubters now, this is an extra chance to just put an exclamation mark on it and also even for a player like Scott McDominay, given how well he's done for Manchester United yeah, I know they've got a tough I know there's, they've got an embarrassment of riches and plenty of central midfielders to choose from but is he that far behind say a Declan Rice in the pecking order for if he had decided to play for England so there's an yeah, element yeah. of for someone like Scott McTominay who might want to go out there and say here I am Wembley Stadium you know look what you could have won if you'd been more on the ball um, you know so that although you know, I'm, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's, you know, very much a, a Scotland man now. There's probably a little element of him saying, "Do you know what? I'm going to prove that if I had wanted to, I could have played for England." So there's there's a lot of subtext um, and a lot of um, little intriguing subplots to this uh, old enemy clash that will make it um, even more interesting than it is already. We're just going to have to get to the the World Cup next year for Lyndon Dykes to go and score a hatch against Australia, <laughs> obviously to Absolutely. get his own back. So that'll do. We'll take that. Um, Right, this is Twa Teams One Street after all, so we are going to move on from talking about the national team and jump onto Sandeman slash Tanahadice Street and look at Dundee United. You know what it's like. You buy a new jumper or socks for Father's Day. Your dad makes appreciative noises but folds the jumper aside and smiles. But if your dad or granddad was a football or rugby man when he was younger, we've got books with hundreds of never-before-seen photos which will show the interests, the passions, the great days, the best time of your dad's life. He will bury himself in these books for the rest of the day. This is the stuff he really, truly cares about. Yours will be the best gift he's been given in years. With books on Aberdeen FC... Dundee United, Celtic, Rangers, rugby, Scottish football internationals and even football grounds themselves where he'd have celebrated and commiserated as a boy. These big, beautiful books will feel like a substantial gift when you hand over the parcel. As one of our podcast listeners, you can get an exclusive 15% discount on the books in our Football in the Black and White Era series at dcthompsonshop.co.uk using the code GIFT15 at checkout. That's G-I-F-T-1-5 at the checkout of dcthompsonshop.co.uk. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And if this sounds like something you'd like, go on, treat yourself. Or maybe drop a series of heavy hints. Yes, it's been a big, well, it's been a big couple of weeks at Dundee United um, with the sort of managerial situation there. Mickey Mellon has left and we now have a new manager. It is Tam Courts. Um, no great shock there. He's been the main name in the frame for a while now. Um, he was previously uh, a coach in United's Academy, head of tactical performance. He took the under-18s. Um, he's now stepped up um, into the, the manager's office at Tanadice. He'll be assisted by... Liam Fox, um, Bear, you've not had your say on no. this yet because you've missed the last okay. few podcasts, but what have you made of the whole situation of Tam Courts yeah. becoming Dundee United manager and, and what are the challenges that, that lie ahead for him now? Yeah, yeah. well, it's been the worst kept secret in the city for the past six weeks, hasn't it? I mean, before the season finished, we were questioning whether Mickey Mellon would be staying in Courts' name. I was getting bandied about way back then and so it has come to pass. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there can be absolutely no doubt there's a financial element to, to, to the court's appointment. But, but, but 
that's that's understandable given the situation, you know, the COVID cash flow has, has hit every club in Ireland and, and Dundee United are no different. The riches they expected to gain from fans being in the, at the games in the, in the Premier League, you know, haven't materialised. The hospitality aspect, you know, the, the, the sponsorship revenue hasn't hasn't happened. So, that, you know, they'll have to cut their cloth accordingly. Now, what do, what would we say about, about Tam Courts? I mean, as ever... All you hear is, is the negative side of things. That, they always come to the fore in, in these aspects, yeah. you know, whether you're, you're, you're online or, or whatever. You know, it's the negative things that, that come out first. You know, he's, he's got no top flight managerial experience. All right, you had a couple of games last season stepping in, during the, you know, when, when Mickey Mellon wasn't there because of COVID and, and things like that. And, you know, and, and, and the fans are wary. And we can understand that, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're desperately keen to see their team doing well. Um, but I think what, what course needs... Um, Obviously, I think he needs to get a good start. Uh, you know, for the first time ever, you're going to have a new manager. Normally, a new manager will be given, you know, the luxury of quite a few games to get his feet under the table. I'm not sure if Courts will get that. If he gets off to a bad start, that, that could be that could be really detrimental to his, you know, his long-term prospects as staying in that job at Tannadice. Um How will he handle, you know, big-name players in the dressing room? That's another thing he's going to have to sort of broach going forward and how will they react to him you know telling them you know they should be doing this and they should be doing that there's always a case of well what have you actually done in your footballing career to, to merit that now that that means absolutely zilch as far as I'm concerned if the guy's a good coach and he you know he's obviously come through the ranks um, he's got to be given a chance to do the job properly I think on the positive side and I'd rather say I, th- I think there are more positives than negatives here I think you know he knows the club they know him he's been there for a while now he knows the youth players you know, you know, it's the guys who are ready to break through, the guys who are in touch and distance, the guys who are already in the in the team, and that's good. Obviously, that he, he he does that because I think there is a case that you know he's under a wee bit of pressure from from the owner and from the, those at the top end of the club to give the youths a real chance. I, I don't see there be much. I mean, there, there will we'll, we'll touch on this a wee bit later, but there will be prospects of some players coming in, but there won't be many. So, like a wee bit like Mickey Mellon, he's going to have to play with the hand he's got, and we could see a few more youth players being involved um, I think he's I think he's an ambitious guy you know and whether it's by fate or good fortune you know one almighty door has just opened for him and, you know yeah. it's and it's an unbelievable opportunity for him to go from you know the, the academy just a few years ago to managing a team in the Premier League and and you know sometimes you know the, the, the fates conspire against you but sometimes things open up for you and when they do open up for you you've got to grasp and this is his real real chance you know, to go on and make a name for himself as a as a coach at the very top level in Scottish football. And I look at, you know, it's, it's always it's a, because it's a club like Dundee United, and the fans are always wary. About, why are we not bringing? I heard Derek McInnes's name getting mentioned. You know, he was early on, but you know, really, come on, but but they're living in, in sort of cloud cuckoo land there. With I think Dundee United going to splash cash for somebody like Derek McInnes to come in and, and take the reins at the club. I look at more like other clubs who have done things like this in the past. And you just have to look at Livy. I mean, obviously, David Martindale was basically an assistant boss here, but he came in. Look at the bloody start he had last season. I'm not sure what it was, Calum. Ten, ten games on beat yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it was like a long, long time. You know, and did a yeah. really, really good job for, for a boy who's, who is effectively had just been an assistant and been, had been on the coaching side for a long time at Livy. And you look at, go back to clubs like uh, Hamilton Ackes, who've done similar things in the past, like Alec Neal, who came in and did a very good job. So there's no reason why it can't work. Obviously, Coates has to make it work, but there's no reason why it can't work. The Dunyanic fans just have to get over that aspect of it. You know, they haven't appointed, they haven't gone out and, and, and paid to get a big name in 
which, which may not have worked and, and it hasn't worked in the past. They've gone this way, they've gone through the club, they've gone through the line of sort of, you know, the access to, the, to the, the top and Coates is going to get his chance and, you know, I, I wish him all the best. You only really have to look across the street, don't you, for an example of how it can work. I mean, James McPake came up from... Mm-hmm. Um, the Youth Academy at Dundee and it's, it's, yep. you know, it's taking him a wee bit of time you know he's going to need a bit of time maybe like you say he's going to be under pressure in the early days but he does need that time to to prove um, it can work as McPake has, has so ably done um, this season but just on that point Alan of, of development is this maybe appointment understandable from that point of view for Dundee United in that as much as they're trying to de- develop their own players, they've not made any secret of the fact they're trying to develop coaches as well. And this is just part of maybe a long-term strategy that's maybe just been accelerated by Mickey Mellon's departure. Yeah, I think there's a certain irony that one of the things that has arced Dundee, a portion of the Dundee United fans the most is also the thing that perhaps should actually be some solace for them is that you know, this is a plan that's been a long time in the making. There weren't, you know, I'm sure they had tentative discussions. I'm sure they considered other people, but I think everybody knows that Tam Courts is the man from the moment Mickey Mellon was leaving. And arguably before that, the, who they thought, this is who we want to step up. Now that's frustrated a lot of Dundee United fans who think, why are we not going out? And as Bear says, why are we not looking at a Derek McInnes? Why are we not uh, considering other more high profile options? But if that, had been what they'd done, then clearly they weren't that committed to this idea of promoting th- through their own coaches. So if you believe in something, regardless of the naysayers, then you have to see it through. So the very thing that you know that will have annoyed some uh, Dundee United fans is also the thing that you know there's perhaps a, a positive aspect to you know it's if they had wavered if they had said oh I'm not sure about this reaction to the prospect of Tam coming in and then went and got someone else then evidently they didn't believe in it so the fact that they've saw this through they believe in a man who they've worked with for a long time the proof will be in the pudding. But I think there's a, a degree of positivity to be taken from the fact that they stayed their course. They believe this is the guy to to take them on this journey that they've outlined. And um, yeah, as I say, it's so hard to make sweeping judgments until the first results are in, until we see how his team plays. But I certainly wouldn't be inclined to, to write him off just yet because fundamentally, Tony Ashgar and everyone at Dundee United, there's no profitability, there's no virtue in being unsuccessful. They haven't appointed a manager to be unsuccessful. So they believe he's the right man to take them forward. They've believed he's the right man to take them forward for a while now, and they've stayed the course on that. And his new number two is Liam Fox. Now, don't worry, Arabs, it's not the Conservative (laughs) Member of Parliament, Liam Fox. Um, It is a genuine football coach um, who, Alan, you'll know quite a bit about from your time working the the Edinburgh beat. Um, Previously worked at Hearts and and Livy, obviously had a good playing career as well. Um, Do you you think that's a smart move to get him in to, to help Tam out? Yeah, Liam's a, a fascinating one, very much a, a a coach who was very early doors, pinpointed for for greatness, if you like. He was, uh, you know, he was uh, as part of, a bit like Dundee United, actually, when, when Craig Levine had this grand idea of bringing through his own coaches, yeah. uh, bringing through the next managers, creating a structure, a conveyor belt, uh, like he did successfully with Robbie Nielsen when he plucked him from East Fife and then brought him through. Liam Fox was very much considered prime on that route. He was someone that Craig Levine thought a lot of and 
Um, I think if maybe, oh Christ, maybe three, four years ago, if you'd said to anyone at Hearts, where will Foxy be in four years? They would have said Hearts manager. Without yeah. a without a step, they would have said Hearts manager. So um, he went, you know, so he was very highly thought of as a coach, very, very adept um, at, you know, the behind the scenes, creating coaching plans, creating sessions, very thoughtful, bright guy. Um, but let's not make any bones about it. It was a disaster at Cowden Beef. Um, so that's what derailed that uh, plan at, at Hearts. Uh, it was a difficult, difficult job he had at Cowden Beef. Not everything was his fault, but nevertheless, it was a very, very unsuccessful spell. So that, and obviously Craig Levine's departure subsequently at Hearts kind of derailed that whole thing. And he's and he's kind of rebuilt his, uh, his coaching career, not that it was in ashes or anything, but, you know, he's he went to Livingston mm-hmm. and got his foot back in the door at a club that he was a, a, a legend at and, uh, you know, certainly helped out David Martindale. And I know that the players were, um, you know, impressed with his style and impressed with his um, knowledge on the training ground. So he's not, I think the thing worth emphasising is that even at 37 years old, he isn't a rookie. You know, this isn't a coaching team of two kids. This is, um, this is a, a manager who has managed, albeit at a junior level, for a long time. And this is an assistant manager who has vast coaching experience in the SPFL Premiership. So it might not have the years on the clock that some Dundee United fans would like. And, you know, they could certainly have gone for some more experience. I I, I do appreciate that argument, but they're not, they're not kids. They're not rookies. And Liam Fox, I think, is... is I think he's one of these guys that might be a better coach than a manager, I, w- I would perhaps say. And I think he's a really, really good guy for, for Tam to have behind the scenes. Very, very uh, adapt coach. You touched on it earlier, Bear, but how much is, is Tam going to have to win over not just the players, but but the fans as well? And, and it's not of his own doing, but he's maybe not got off to the best mm-hmm. start with the supporters um, who maybe aren't best pleased with, with the appointment or, or the process that the United board have gone through to, to come to this conclusion. But... Um, does he have a bit of a job in his hands there to, to, to you know, from you know a standing start to to try and get going? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think so, Calm. I don't think he'll get as long as normally a new manager would. The bounce a new manager would get. I think, I think if someone had come in from outside, um, you know, they, they would have been given time, a wee bit more time. Um, but I think if if, he, if the gets off to a, a, a shaky start. And I think the fans could turn relatively quickly, and that's that's the harsh reality. Tam Coates is going to have to to live with. I'm afraid, you know. We all know what the United fans can be like. I mean, you know, they're, they're a magnificent asset to the team, especially. Well, hopefully, we'll get back to the, the point where you know the, the stadiums are, are are full again, and you know when United play down to the you know their, their own fans, they're a force to be reckoned with. That, that started under Craig Levine. I mean, the amount of goals he used to get late on in games and things like that, and it was, it was basically because the fans were their eleventh, either twelfth man, I should say. You know, they sucked the ball into that net sometimes down, down at that end. And the manager took the plaudits at the end, you know, and 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 enjoyed it, and rightly so. Whoever the manager was at that time, but if you are on a shaky, a shaky start and you're losing games, you've got to walk off the park and walk right past them, and and you know. You, it doesn't take long for fans to turn, and um, you know that's something that, that Tam Courts is like any manager. You, 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 you know, you're you're based on your results, and you have to live or die by that. 
But I think I don't think Tam will be given the same sort of leeway a new manager would have got, and that, that's unfortunate. But that, that's just the reality of, of, of you know his appointment. Fans is the eleventh man. That's a strange tactic. Eh? Getting your left winger out of the Dode Fox stand there and just bringing him yeah. down to the pitch. That would uh, <laughs> that would certainly arc a few supporters. <laughs> um, he's already stated in his initial sort of interviews with with Club TV, his Tam, that he wants to drive the club to the next level. Um, what, what do you think that means for you? Alan, I mean, can they build on last season performance-wise on the pitch or do you think he means more as an overall entity in terms of developing the football club? Yeah, I think you've uh, hit the nail on the head with the latter there, Callum. It's, uh, I think, uh, well, undoubtedly, there will be a hope that he can improve the the league position. Uh, I think, obviously, things rather tapered off uh, last season once uh, top six football uh, wasn't assured. So, there is definitely scope there for an improved overall league season, but I don't think anyone at Dundee United is going to be saying we need top four. I think they'll be hoping for a challenge for the top six and hopefully, I would say, finishing that window between you know fourth, fifth, sixth, probably more likely between you know fifth and seventh, that sort of window. You know that I, I'm loath to use the phrase mid-table obscurity because it seems so uh, such a cruel <laughs> expression, but that is what that is what I'm driving at. And so I think in terms of uh, tangible uh, league endeavours, I think that's probably what you're looking at. But as you say, it's more about it's more about him um, pushing forward with what they see as uh, the overall strategy for the club, which is. It's, it's not packing the team full of kids. I think there's there's been maybe a misapprehension that, that that's what the, the talk is. There'll still be a spine of experienced, quality players, but given um, more of these talented young players an opportunity to shine, which then um, hopefully improves the team and adds a couple of zero on their market value, which they can sell. They can then sell those players on. They can reinvest that in the academy and in other players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know the drill. You know it's all self. It's a it's a circular uh, strategy that you know every club wants to do and every club would like to do well. And Dundee United believe they can do that, but they need the right man at the helm. They need a man that's totally bought into that vision. And in that regard, there's few better ways to get that than actually pluck someone from within that existing structure. He will be absolutely committed to that belief. So yeah, I think when they talk about progressing to the next level, they're talking about progressing what Dundee United are as um, you know, as a as a playing style, as a youth production vehicle, as a successful football team in the pitch. It is the whole package rather than just saying the league position was X this year. We want the league position to be X next year. That's an aspect of it, an important aspect of it, but not the be all and end all. I don't think. Yeah, and we'll get our first look at the Tam Courts era in about a month or so when the Premier Sports Cup, which is the League Cup, by the way, um, kicks off. Um, with a, a trip to his former club, Kelty Bear. That's an interesting one. It's a good mm-hmm. subplot for him to begin his kind of managerial career at Tanadice. No, it's, it's good for us as well, Carl. A nice wee storyline in there for, for the newspapers <laughs> to get in and, and things like that, isn't it? Yeah, and there's also, it's also the fact that the new Kelty boss is Kevin Thompson, who enjoyed uh, a modicum of success when he was at Dens, you know, against Dundee United. So that he'll be, he'll be, he'll enjoy that for sure. And there's also. Uh, a few other big time players at Kelty as well, so no, it's a it's a good one to start off with. I, I, I quite enjoy the 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 Betfred Cup, the Premier Scott 
sports cup to give it its, its new name. Um, I think it's a good introduction for for teams, you know, to get themselves up. It's not pre-season friendlies, yeah. and if you, you get it in the neck if you don't qualify and you're the, the, the top seed or the second top seed and you don't get through, you get it in the neck. You know, we've seen that in the past, but it gives you a nice competitive introduction for for you know the Premier League starting, you know, the Premiership kicking off and. And, you know, there's, there's no easy games and the Kelly thing just throws in another sort of dimension to it. So it's, it's good for them. It's also see that they've got uh, Dick Campbell's Arbroath again at, uh, at Tannadice. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good start for for, for Tam Courts and you'll get a good look at, you know, his, his squad. Well, you know, obviously, they'll be in for training before then, but uh, he's just got to get them in shape for one thing and that's the premiership kicking off, you know, at, at the end of, is it, when is it, the end of July, the start of yep, August? Yeah, it is indeed. Um when they come back in, the players, I mean, would you like to see Charlie Mulgrew as part of that group, Bear? Do you think that would be a good sign? And he's one that's certainly been rumoured over yeah, the last few days. I've seen that. I've seen that. That's, that's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, Charlie Mulgrew, was at Tannadice, of course, many, many years ago. I think it was, it was a loan deal, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, spent a wee bit of time at Tannadice. And he's gone on and done uh, uh, really, really well for himself. I like Charlie Mulgrew. He's a versatile sort of player. You know, I think he played, when he was at Tannadice before, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong I think he played more as a left back you know a a rampaging full back and he got forward and he liked he liked to have a strike on goal and he he scored he scored uh, quite regularly throughout his career but as he's got older as you know we've seen he's he's moved more into the central area in in defence and no he'd be a good acquisition I mean he's an international player and if he can keep himself fit you know he would be one yeah you know a really good capture given the fact that you know we are going to see a few younger players the experience you would not only bring to the, the team on match days, but also on the training ground that we could rub off on these young guys as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if United could get that one over the line. All change potentially at Dundee United then with new players, already a new manager, but there is a strange sense of stability at Dens Park with Dundee. Yes, new deals um, for the Dark Blues management duo, boss James McPake and his assistant Dave McKay have signed new one-year rolling contracts. Um, that's got to be good news for the club, Alan. Fantastic news. It's um, heartily deserved as well. Um, we alluded to uh, the job James McPake uh, and indeed his assistant Dave McKay have uh, done since um, being promoted to, to that position at Dundee. And it's not always been plain sailing. There have been moments that uh, I'm sure Dundee fans out there listening to this have shouted that it was time for McPake to go or we need a change or it's not working and to be fair I look on social media and there's a lot of those fans that are more than willing to hold their hands up which I think is great because listen we've all had rancid opinions over the years that haven't uh, that have turned out to be incorrect so uh, there's no harm at all in saying hands up I'm so glad uh, X, Y or Z has proven me wrong and, and James has certainly uh, done that he's created particularly over the second part of that season, created a, a free-flowing, attacking, successful Dundee side. And yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an exciting new year of, of, of stability and, and forward thinking. I, I don't... I watched Dundee in the in the final weeks of that season, and at no point did I think that's a team that would struggle if they were to get promoted. I think there's a spine there that will get added to, and... There's there's no reason to to fear stepping up into the into the division. They've got some top flight pedigree there. They've got uh, a manager who'll be high you know uh, high on life after signing that new deal. So yeah, it's it's really positive times to be a, a Dundee fan, and I'm guessing they just can't wait for the the new season to to start and to get fans back in that stadium and and really kick on now. 
Bear, I'm sorry, you've been waiting weeks for this moment, and I just went straight to Alan there with, with contract <laughs> thanks, news. Uh, thank, thanks very much for that, Colin. <laughs> I'm just going to give you, like, we've got about, I don't know, 10 minutes. You can just say whatever you want about the last couple of weeks at Dundee. Um, I take it as a as a uh, dyed in the wool, dark blue. You are absolutely delighted at the way things have gone in the last few weeks with promotion, new contracts for, for players and managers, and, and looking forward to the Premiership next season. Yeah, it's it, it's been terrific, and, and it, as Alan said, I mean, uh, we saw it coming, Carl. You know, McPeak. Um, you know, I was a critic as well. We've, we've been on this podcast saying, you know, if he doesn't get a win this week, you know, he's going to be in, under real pressure, and that, he, he's his jacket was on a sugly peg quite a number of times last season. Yeah. But I'm, I, I, I would say now whoever does the, the odd jobs at Dens Park can go up by a couple of screws and screw that, that peg right <laughs> into the wall and nail it in there now because um, he's got that new contract and it's it's thoroughly, thoroughly deserved um, what they did and how he managed to turn turn the team around. Um, you know, he, he got them, you know, what, what, what I mean, he, he was a rookie boss and we've spoken about this already on the podcast and, and the owners showed faith in him and they've been repaid with that, you know, so... Um, He'll have learned greatly from what's gone on over the last couple of seasons. He'll have learned greatly about his own abilities. He's the first to hold his hand up when he makes a wrong decision. Sometimes I think he's a little bit too honest as a manager. Maybe as the years go on, he'll maybe, he'll maybe sort of keep stooping sometimes, I think. And maybe he'll reflect on things a bit more to himself. But he, he got that Dundee team in great shape. And going into the playoffs, you know, I, I always felt that they had a real chance because they'd closed the back door. They'd made a couple of changes, obviously. They'd brought in Adam Legs. Then uh, yeah. the, the two centre-halves were playing well. And the looks were like, first and foremost, they became a team that was really, really tough to beat. I mean, they beat Kilmarnock in the first leg. You know, the pundits were still making Kilmarnock favourites. And Tommy Wright was putting a brave face on it because Kilmarnock got that late goal. And, you know, but I always felt quite comfortable. I mean, as comfortable as you can be, you know, being a Dundee fan, because you're never actually too sure. But I felt quite comfortable, you know, in the fact that Dundee haven't, hadn't been turned over in the previous 10 games and I didn't really see Kilmarnock for all the... They had a bit of talent in that team for all the, all the players that had. I didn't see them giving Dundee too many problems. And as it turned out, you know, Dundee won, won the game and, and won it well. And obviously, great news for, for the club, for the fans. And great for James McPeak. Um, I mean, as I say, that will have bent his car- character, benefited his character. That will steal him for what's ahead. And you just wonder now if it's put him on a path now to greatness as a manager. You always, you know, I'm not trying to move him on straight away on the, on the top, but you think back to the likes of, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, James McPake, I know you sometimes listen to this, but you think back to, where did Alec Ferguson start? You know, he must have had a few rocky roads. He started as a, as a young boss. You know, he must have had a few rocky moments in his, in his career. Even when he went to Manchester United, his first season at Manchester United, there was talk about getting rid of him, you know, because they weren't doing too well. But you, you get through that and you go on and, and, and you improve as, as a boss because of that. And uh, it was great news for Dundee and great news uh, for the club and the fans. And obviously Dave Mackay as well. We'll have to mention him. I mean, Dave was, was obviously started as a young lad at, at Dens Park and was a, was a top player. Went on to St Johnston and is, is a legend up there, rightly so, for, for what he did, at, you know, lifting the Scottish Cup. And has a bit of managerial experience himself, has got to be said. I think it was at Stirling Albion. Yeah. So they're a good team and, they'll, you know, they'll, it'll be a happy place to be, Dens Park and who, but then... As in football, success is 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 quickly forgotten, and you're only as good as your next game. And so, you know, um, the great thing is you they're back in the top flight, and we never really touched on this on United, but Tom Coates as well is going to be judged on 
and James McBake. The Derby matches are back, and who comes out on top in those games? And it's going to be it's going to be terrific. You know, I really I really can't wait. So no, it's been a it's been a good few weeks, and we'll dine out on it for another few as well, Carl. I thought your hangover had just a bit cleared, but then you started making comparisons between um, bosses at Dundee clubs and <laughs> I know, Sir Alex Ferguson. I know that, you put me in you put me in mind of David Tanner for a second there. Whatever you do, calm. Don't put that in print anywhere, okay? Because that'll just uh, that'll come back and bite you right in the arse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the Premiership all kicks off relatively soon. Um, about five weeks from now, July thirty first is the sort of first round of fixtures. Alan, do you think? Dundee with the signings they've made and the players they've tied down to new deals. Adam Langston's has signed a new two-year deal this week. Do you think they're looking ready for the Premiership already? I wouldn't say they're necessarily ready for the Premiership with the exact current squad they have at the moment. I think though they're still um, in need of strengthening a couple of areas and I think James McPake will be acutely aware that they maybe need a little bit more uh, quality in certain areas, a little bit more depth in certain areas if they're going to uh, go through an entire season in the top flight but I mean as I alluded to I, I just you look through that team and you go with guys like uh, Cummings and Mullen you've got McMullen in the wide areas you've got that spine there of Charlie Adam Jordan McGee you go back to uh, Cammy Kerr Liam Fontaine these are guys that uh, they're not um, going to go into the top flight and think, oh God, what is this <laughs> yeah. new surroundings that I've uh, got no idea how to tackle these are you know, these are, are players that um, at worst have participated in the top flight and at best have shone in the top flight. So there's no reason to be fearful there. I think Dundee need flourishes of quality. They maybe need a little bit of an X factor. You know, and I've got no doubt that um, the powers that be will be, will be looking for that. But no, I, I mean, you and I'm sure all of our listeners watched a lot of um, top flight football last season. And although there's... Uh, maybe a certain difference in physicality, fitness, probably more than anything, uh, just that little bit of quality in the top flight. I don't think it's a vast difference. I don't think you looked at many of the games in the bottom six and thought if you slipped Dundee into that, they would get tanked, particularly with the way they played in the second half of the championship season. So, no, I mean, I I wouldn't be making any grand assertions just at the moment, but I certainly don't think there's any reason for Dundee fans to think they're going to come up and then immediately be in a brutal dog fight and scrapping for every single point I think they'll be they, they should be confident that they can go up and, and certainly compete Bear have you got your season ticket sorted for the, the Bobby Cox next season it's almost it's almost done Callum I, I haven't got one yet but I will be getting one um, as ever um, so I'm looking forward to that uh, I'll just say that I, I believe the fixers if, if I remember rightly they should be out next week I think it's around about the 15th, June the 15th, I think. So keep your eye out mm. for that because obviously the first thing Dundee fans will be looking for is the game against Dundee United. That's that's a, that's a stick on. Um, so that'll be interesting. And that whets the appetite straight away, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you've got the, obviously got the, we've got the, the Premier Sports Cup first, which is, we'll all be looking forward to that. And, uh, and James McPake again will be getting his team geared for that. But just like, just like down the road, with Tom Courts, he'll be getting his, his side ready for the, you know, the big, the big kickoff back in, in the Premier. 
I mean, just to expand, game. just sorry, just to expand what you're saying there. Yeah. The other fascinating part of the the Dundee derby as well is the fact that Tam Quartz and uh, James McPake used to be Livingston teammates of each other. So right. um, right. there's yeah. some yeah. fantastic, fantastic subplots yeah. in that. And I think uh, as with everybody listening, the, the Dundee derby is just going to be so mouthwatering. A little bit of time off, a little bit of chance for the the, the anticipation to build again, and also yeah. with the fact that we've been so long without fans. The idea yeah. of the fans getting in for a Dundee derby, my goodness, it will just be the the Participation will be something else, eh? Yeah, it's, it's the one fixture that, that sells out. It sells out in the in the calendar. You know, you get Celtic and Rangers and Aberdeen coming to the ends and Antares and they'll go pretty close to, to to full houses. But really, now that it's only it's the only one that you get that, that every ticket is gone for, and it's just it's just great for the city. And as you can imagine, as as a boost economically for both clubs and for every business around you know, the pubs and everything else, it generates generates a lot a lot of cash. So have three or possibly four of them next season just mouthwatering you're right domestic football though what a load of nonsense no one cares Scotland are at the Euros <laughs> next week hopefully by the time we're back for our, our episode next week number 121 I believe um, Scotland will have a win under their belt and we'll be looking forward to uh, a mouthwatering clash against England at Wembley so all the very best to Steve Clark's team from everyone at Twa Teams One Street and we'll see you all next week goodbye if you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>